and I must keep running, running, and 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 welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I am Jim. This is episode 292. And it's an episode where I'll be joined by Clay to talk a couple books, which are Black Cat and Power Pack. You can guess which one of those we liked more. And you may be surprised. Also, I will end the podcast by talking about a couple books myself, Daredevil and Thor, if you're wondering where our man Brandone is, possibly, possibly he'll be on the Patreon-only spotlight picked by the badasses the Get Fresh crew. Beep, boop, and they ended up picking a couple of doozies. Doozies, I say. They ended up picking nonstop Spider-Man number two and also the whole Spider-Man, the Spider-Shadow number one, a book where I keep forgetting the title of it, but really enjoyed. And also, and I keep going on about this, really like the what if icon that they have on that cover. I think it is cleverly done and looks pretty bad ass. But before we get into the episode, let me tell you where you can find us. Go over to Twitter right now. I demand you and follow us at WS Marvel Comics. The WS stands for weird science. If you were wondering and We follow everybody back. That is a rule that I made that I end up ironclad rule. I think that is something that could end up bringing this whole world together. If we all just follow each other, if we're all concerned with what everybody else is doing, not just throwing your own thing out there as a selfish prick. I don't want to be a selfish prick and nobody should want to be that. That's not something to aspire to. Uh, Also go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com where you can get mostly reviews right now as I'm easing into doing most of the work there. Uh, But I do have a bunch of reviews. I ended up doing a bunch of reviews. My man Gabe did a bunch of reviews, and I believe that my man Wolf Cypher will have some as well, trying to get most of the books that come out each week covered, reviewed, all that stamped, sealed, signed, and delivered. I'm yours, all that. Uh, But yeah, go over there and also... I already mentioned go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get a bunch of shows, including this week. We ended up doing a new podcast where we end up diving into something that is brought up that week in the regular book. So if a character somehow is in one of the books and I think, well, that's something that would be interesting to do a deep dive into. We do that. And this week, what we ended up doing is. Because the Darkhawk anniversary issue came out, figured that on this podcast, which we just started today, actually, we ended up going back and reading and reviewing Darkhawk number one from back in the 90s so that people could listen to that and then have a little bit more knowledge to go off and read that anniversary issue. Because I will admit, didn't know anything about Darkhawk before this week. A lot of people like the character. It's a big 90s character. Uh, But I wasn't reading comics, let alone Marvel comics back in the 90s. I was grunging it up. You know, I was there in my flannel, walking around, being apathetic, stuff like that, right? Let my hair grow. And 
Yeah, I didn't have time for the comics. I was being too cool, right? <laughs> I was actually in a band at that point. We played a lot of grunge music. So there, I'm, I'm kind of making a joke, but kind of not. Uh, I'm, I am a joke, I guess. I'm my own joke. But yeah, you go over it, you'll also get a bunch of things, including, like I said earlier, the Patreon-only spotlight that I ended up doing with Brandon. And I said might have Brandon. We ended up recording it. Had a lot of problems. A lot of problems with the recording software. And I believe Brandon's connection. I don't know what they do in Buffalo, but they better feed that hamster on the wheel because that connection is not working well. Their internet going down. And yeah, we had a bunch of problems. So I'm going to try to piece that together and maybe fill in some blanks with myself. But you should be able to get at least nonstop Spider-Man from Brandon and me if you go over. And then I'll probably be doing the whole shadow, spider shadow deal. And I had a Chip Sadarsky book by myself. But again, I really did like that. And I, I had a lot of people, and it is Spider-Man, the spider shadow, by the way. I had a lot of people who were like, what is this book? What's going on? And they also announced that Chip Zdarsky would be continuing the Spider-Man of life. Like things, and, and things started swirling around with people. Plus, when they hear what if, they think it's, oh, that one issue? No, no, it's four. And I think it's going to play out very well that way. And me and Brandon, when we were talking about it, he even brought up the idea of a lot of what ifs, they have that cool concept. Obviously, that's what it's based on. But then you have to set things up, and then you just take that wild left turn to get to the what if deal. And it always feels rushed. Not always, but a lot of times it does feel rushed by the end. But you're won over by the concept anyway. But this, the concept is that Spider-Man, Peter, does not give up the Venom suit. He comes back from Secret Wars, ends up being told by Reed Richards, hey, it's a symbiote. And then we take the turn. But the turn that can go through a bunch of issues. So it's going to be something that you can build up to all of that. And Chip Zdarsky's great. He's such a great writer right now at both Marvel and DC. His Urban Legends deal, or Urban, yeah, the Batman Urban Legends came out, and it's good. His story, his Jason Todd Batman story is so good. Uh, though I do like Matthew Rosenberg's Grifter story a little bit better, which is crazy, too. Again, two people who, when I started Fresh Start, these people were entrenched here at Marvel and have kind of branched out and gone over there so it's pretty cool pretty cool and and, you know as an exchange you know you marvel guys you get john romita jr back and i'm telling you whether or not you like john romita jr the people who are dc fans they're not crying about losing him i mean his work at dc was not great but all of that i don't know why i got into this aside but yeah uh let's get into the books for tonight where i'm going to start off me and clay talking about black cat and power pack all right i'm here with clay how you doing clay doing pretty good awesome and we're going to be doing a two books uh, this week one which me and you both have loved and i i'm betting that we continue to love and that is power pack but we're going to start with black cat a book that me and you talked about last issue and jumping in you were pretty pretty up on it we both really did like the idea of queen cat all that stuff i said that i thought she was going to be put aside for a little uh, and I, I've been bitching that I want to get to this, you know, Thieves Guild, the New York Thieves Guild, this dimensional uh, gate vault deal. Uh, and you ended up seeing a little bit last issue of the things that they gathered to get there and to do this. But I didn't think if you didn't read the first, you know, volume before King and Black, before it came back, I thought that you weren't getting the full gist of everything that they worked for to get. Maybe that's good because you find out here it's a dupe. 
And it angered me because they did go through a lot of things to get all the pieces of the puzzle to go to seemingly say, ah, you know, that really wasn't the thing that we were trying to do anyway uh, with Black Fox being the guy who he has ulterior motives. So they are ulterior motives. It does kind of screw, I think, Corpse and Bruno the most. Um, But it does kind of offer, you know, life forever being immortal. I mean, that is a pretty quick (laughs) score. It's just not what the score was. Now, they do point out one thing that makes a lot of sense with Black Cat in this. It's not necessarily the money that, you know, you ended up having Felicia worried about. What Felicia wants to do is get into this vault that nobody's been able to get into. Plus, she wants to screw over Odessa Drake because they have that rivalry going. So it makes sense. And when we find out, what this is all about it would pretty much screw odessa drake big time but here is the deal it's written by jed mckay art by michael dowling colors by brian reber letters by farron delgado felicia Hardy is a world-renowned thief known as black cat at the behest of her former mentor and current patron the black fox felicia and her crew bruno and dr corpse pulled off a series of heists stealing from the frick collection the fantastic four dr strange wolverine iron fist and iron man their hall a painting the original deed to Manhattan. Now, remember that one. <laughs> they should have that in bold. <laughs> and an old book, as well as the schematics for the dimension hopping Randall Gate and the key for said gate. It has all been in service of the ultimate heist, breaking in the extra dimensional vault of the New York Thieves Guild, currently run by the deadly Odessa Drake. Now, with all the pieces in place, Felicia and Fox are finally ready to put their plan into action. And I don't know. I I kind of was expecting to see a little more of an intricate deal of seeing all these pieces be put together to open up this gate. It's not necessarily they kind of push that aside a bit and pretty much have Corpse and Bruno just sitting there with an open van as if shit's just going to fly into it. Right. All of a sudden it's going to come out and go in there. That's fine enough. Now, with this, you do end up having Black Fox kind of somewhat, but it's not betrayal, but he has been lying. And so to get away with this, I think Jeb McKay realized that he had to show that Black Fox cares a lot about Felicia, that he would not betray her. He just doesn't. He he needs something to be done. He knows that they will complain if he ends up saying exactly what it is. So you see at this beginning where she is. You know, she's outgrown him. She's the the student that now has surpassed the teacher, all that sort of thing. He's getting old and he's sad. And it is played out, I thought, very well. The idea that the the young Felicia, the student, she's excited to get out and do her thing. She's going to break her dad out. It's the first deal that she wants to go do. Uh, In the meantime, Black Fox is kind of sad. You know, this also points out he's getting old to himself. But also, you know, he likes her and cares about He loves her. And... You know, even in the point where he's been more of a father than her father, like all that stuff going in because he lied to her. And I think that you have to really point that out. You have to point out that no matter what we see here, if things get a little wonky, if things seem weird, he does at the bottom of things love her. But can you love somebody when you're dead? Because that's the thing. He's dying. That That's one of the big things that he hasn't told them about. Uh, did you like that beginning? Because, again, you're, you're jumping into this book. Uh, you, you kind of, if, if even the last volume, you know how much uh, Black Fox means to Felicia. Yeah, I, this, I, I read the, the first Black Cat uh, before the return for the King of Black. So I know a little bit of their history. 
So this, I did like it. There was a very, you know, meaningful part of it. Uh, just getting that little insight on how important this relationship was to Fox and to Felicia herself. But the reveal of him dying, I feel like they played it both ways. You kind of see him kind of talking to Felicia as though he's like, hey, there's nothing we can do. It's just the way life is and everything else. But behind the scenes, we get we get the yeah. flashbacks of him like trying to stay alive. Trying to stay alive. I, I mean, yeah. in the point where you're expecting him, like next stops Mephisto. Luckily, Mephisto was out and about in Las Vegas or whatever <laughs> at that point because he is going. I mean, he is actually going at, at a point to Dracula. Hey, can you bite me? Can you make me like? He'll even take being a vampire just to live. He's de- he's desperate. I mean, beyond desperate. And I, I agree with you. Also, it says. You know, I got a couple months to live. Hey, I, I talked to my dad. Like, you expect him to be a little more frail at that point. Uh, he's rappelling down into the sewers. I mean, he's really spry for a guy who only – they don't never really say what it is or whatnot. It may end up, again, being a lie even with that. I mean, everybody would want to be immortal. You don't have to just be dying to want to live forever. Uh, but you do get desperate, and he is desperate. Uh and, yeah, you have them going down into, you know, underneath New York City, into the catacombs, into all these things to get to this gate. And Felicia realizes, like, right away it seems weird. The idea that we end up going and getting all of this stuff. We stole all these things. And quite frankly, she stole all these things. Almost as if then me and you, Clay, we get the stuff. We, we could set up in your living room and open up a portal. Like, that's how I thought it was going to be as well. Where you could be anywhere, open up this portal and go and grab it. But they end up underneath New York City. And she even saying, like, what are we doing down here? Like, <laughs> why do we have to? And he even says at one point, well, you know, there is like places where there's, you know, pl- vibrations are better. And I'm like, I don't buy this. I, it seems weird. But you do end up having him talk about, well, you know, I, I haven't been exactly, you know, Truthful to you so far fully I, I'm not exactly lying I just didn't tell you all the details He does say hey I'm dying uh, When we do this I actually end up We want to go in here because the, I never told you the, this vault It's not just a vault we just go into and grab things And run out it's kind of being uh, Guarded by a god The gilded saint and You end up where the, the saint Ends up getting 10% of what Is found in this like all These things going on to set up like Okay now it seems like you're going to go Fight this god okay we're going to have to Fight the oh, that that throws a little wrench In the works then he's Like well I haven't necessarily Been truthful to you still uh, Yeah this god it Makes you immortal and that's the Real treasure I mean there's treasure And stuff like that but what we're really going After is a little different. This God can make you immortal. I'm dying, and I need that. Like you said, you then go and see that he went to try to convince Dracula. Dracula, in the meanwhile, so badass here. I'm telling you, he and I. I like the idea because Dracula a lot of times should be played off as almost like a mob boss type deal. I mean, to the extreme where he says, "Listen, you screwed me. You you tried to." Give, so what I have done is told every there is nobody allowed. Like he can't even go to the lowest of low vampires and say, hey, "No one will me. bite you." No, nobody yeah. will bite you. Nobody. He's cut off from the vampire nation, and that ended up in in some way 
I thought that that really like elevated Dracula to me of like, holy crap, like he could do that. Like you never think I've never seen anything where Dracula has put out an order of no biting on this person because (laughs) he wants to be immortal and we don't want him to be that like this is his punishment. And I like the idea of Dracula's like your punishment is to get old and die. And you're going to think about this the whole time. I thought that was really cool. Like you said, though. It shows he's desperate. I mean, that's the desperate of the desperate. He knows that Dracula is pissed, but I guess he's using that like, if I go, Dracula, just bite me. Now, you could go with the way that there are different deals with the whole vampires. That you, A vampire can kill you and not you know, bring you back. I'm surprised that didn't happen, but probably doesn't want that old tainted blood or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, they're setting this up now. The, the fun of this issue, though. <laughs> is that while this is going on You end up having Bruno and Corpse up above With, you know, the button that they're going to hit when they have to Also, the van that's going to fill up with the stuff But they end up with a security guard coming by And there's no dialogue with this It ends up just popping up in panels While you still get the narration and dialogue between Felicia and Black Fox And it, it plays out almost like a silent movie And it's hilarious because it's very visual things like at one point this guy comes and he's like got his hands up like what the hell are you guys doing? They're pulling out the the clipboard. Here's our papers. (laughs) I like at the one point when they're doing this, he pulls out the clipboard and then the next one is the guy like one minute and he's got his phone out like he's going to call somebody else to check this out. Corpse is like what the hell are you doing? And then you end up seeing. See, Bruno, Bruno just tosses the pass. He's behind this guy who's there Threatening corpse while he has his walkie talkie Clipboard over the deal And then he starts choking him out And then you end up And you even said you didn't know if he was going to kill him well, like, the, These two I was just very confused as of what was going on So I was like oh no Are they going to kill him And like complicate things And then like Felicia wouldn't be okay with that And like what's going on And just to see the very next panel with them, we see Corpse with the security guard outfit and Bruno tying him up. I was like, okay, I understand now. Everything's okay. It's We're so good. good. Yeah, he's tying him up. He, they got the, the tape around his mouth and they're tying him up to a big pole. And then you have Corpse with the security guard outfit made me laugh and like ready. So, yeah, they're, they're ready to go. They're going to hit the steel. They're going to turn on this dimensional deal that they got from the Rand corporate, all this to lead to opening the vault and getting the treasure at this point, you know, they think they're going to get just treasure upon treasure, but it is this deal where again, black Fox is going through this with Felicia and says, listen, I lied to you this whole time. I, I didn't tell you the truth, whatever, but trust me now. And then you end up having this gilded saint god. When they open up the deal, he comes out. He almost opens. It's cool. He opens up the portal by, like, ripping it apart. And cut, And he looks awesome. I mean, the art really, it's good throughout. But that looks great. When when this god comes out, he's like, hey, you broke open our, my realm. Who's so rude to do that? And then Felicia's, like, crapping her pants. Like, you better tell me what's going on here. I mean, what is happening? And I thought that he was going to sacrifice Felicia to this god. I, I seriously thought that it, it was, was going to be a life for a life type deal. I thought it was either going to be that or it was just like, Felicia, you're not getting anything. I'm going to become a mortal. Yeah, yeah. And he says, oh, I want immortal- immortality for me and the girl. And I kind of wanted to think, like, are you just saying that for the convenience that it doesn't make you look like a jerk yeah, if yeah. you just say me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be. But 
He ends up at now with this. I I don't know this gilded saint or whatnot. For some reason, I get this weird idea that it's going to screw over Black Fox and he'll be immortal, but he'll end up being this guard now and this this gilded saint deal. I don't know, but I, I don't see him lasting in this book after this arc as much because this kind of does feel like an ending story for him even if he is immortal he'll go off and do whatever because i don't know that felicia is going to be happy about all this happening but we do end with the idea we you have a contract i mean this god he likes to you know write on the dotted line we have a contract i have one with odessa drake she bargained and paid a price now earlier when this was being talked about you have Black Fox say you got it like Odessa Drake already paid a huge price. I mean, we have to give this God something that is beyond measure. I mean, it's so big and so worth. And that's why I thought it was going to be a life. But I mean, Odessa Drake might have done that as well. But the deal is, is that you have Black Fox like, hey, I, I have the thing we need here. We're going to give it to this God. I actually thought it was going to be the painting because the painting was the big thing that we centered on last issue when we had the whole queen cat looking in, saw the robbery of the painting. And I thought it was going to be one of those like paintings that had a soul in it or, you know, something wacky and spiritual the way that we're doing this. But it's not that it ends up weird. Me and you both felt the same way. I like this issue. But at the end, when you offer a God, a god, right? Or say a god, the deed <laughs> a to really Manhattan. S- I mean, a god, a really a, scary looking, yeah, god. a really you, scary you, looking god, right? You already said it. You know, the the visuals here make the god almost pop out comparatively to the art, and I'm just like, holy crap! How are they going to convince this guy for immortality? Oh, I got the key to the city. Yeah, you got the deed to Manhattan, <laughs> and I want this god, to, and the god does take it. It's like in a frame, like. What am well, I going to do with this? The, <laughs> what am I going to well, do with this? That's the thing. So in the in the last panel, you see him holding it. You see the god holding the deed to Manhattan. When I first looked at this, until I just saw it just now, I thought he was like putting his finger on it as if like, oh, I'm going to sign it and that's yeah. going to put my mark on it and <laughs> a deal is a deal. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? He actually took it. But wouldn't it be hilarious? The very next issue, he says exactly that. He's like, what? What am I supposed to do with this? This is a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. What are they? Do I have to go to court now? Like, hey, next up, the Gilded Saint's going to come in here to demand that he, in fact, does own Manhattan because he's got the deed. There, there's other things that, like, this is almost like I find the deed to Manhattan in the trash can. Doesn't mean I'm the king of New York now. It's so weird with this that you end up having. Now, I'm hoping it becomes something more spiritual or more supernatural because. This doesn't make much sense to me. The idea that a god would like, what is he going to put his business suit on now and raise the rents? Is that what he's doing? I was I was going to ask you. So you know, you've started reading this Black Cat series back what 2019 when it started, right when it started, and uh, throughout the King and Black, you've enjoyed it. You've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Now. For me, I always thought of Black Cat, of course, as a Spider-Man villain. You know, we always get the mystery of like, oh, she's the greatest Good thief. Man, you know, she, thief. Yep. Yeah, you know, she always has these things and you don't necessarily know how she got them. And they've kind of, you know, brought in that uh, that narrative of like, hey, this is how she does things. And so you get to see how she 
could steal from a Tony Stark or yeah. from an Iron Fist. And it's and things fun, like that. too, when she does so it. That's fun. the best part. But it keeps it a little grounded that way. This being supernatural, do you like this turn? No, I, I, I actually don't at all. I like the idea that maybe they have to fight a god or get past a god, and maybe she could use her smart. But first off, you're pretty much taking her out of the driver's seat when she's been in it because it's her own book to get all this stuff just to trust Black Fox, kind of. But then I don't even like that she ends up where the idea you're you're under New York City, you're going this God, this talking. Yeah, you're talking about an interdimensional gate, which is crazy anyway. But when he says we have to offer it something, even I would have asked what it was. Right. What, what are we going to offer him? You know, what? oh, that is a deed to Manhattan. What does a God want with Manhattan? <laughs> now we're going to see. Maybe it's, you know, you end up bigger with the idea. But even so, just say it's a God and the God one. It's almost like. The, the trope of like a poltergeist that the whole Manhattan was on an Indian burial ground, like something like that or some ancient ritual site. This is a God. The God would just go and take it back. Like it doesn't need the deed to come in and say, hey, everybody, it's mine. I'm taking it. It's such a weird deal. You're expecting more of like a like it's, it's funny. It's like this is almost like the almost like you said, though, the grounded attempt of being something like a deal with Mephisto. Like Mephisto, you go, you sign in blood, the thing blows up, and then you, you're too. This is like, okay, we're going to keep it grounded, even though we have a gap, I but almost, it doesn't make I sense. Almost wonder, I almost wonder if they wanted to go with Mephisto, and they're like, we've been dealing maybe. with Mephisto way too, too much. Too much, maybe. Think of something else. I mean, you, know? you do have that step where you think that Black Fox has heard things. I'm actually shocked he didn't go to Me- Mephisto could just be like, I give so I, I can't keep track of my deals anymore. I don't need your deals. But <laughs> and and when you would go with something, you would think that the deal would always involve, oh, you're involved with Black Cat, well you got but this is like a weird you give us immortality, we'll give you the deed to Manhattan, also not really knowing what Odessa Drake gave. You know, what what did she give? Uh, a couple of streets? I, I mean, we're going to name a street after you and you get Hell's Kitchen? I, I don't know. You get Brooklyn? I, I don't know what's going on. Now, one thing I didn't mention that I did like in this, because it has been kind of in the back of my mind the whole time of, why is it just the New York Thieves Guild? I kept thinking, like, why is it? And they do end up saying that they ended up pissing everybody off, and it kind of got narrowed down to that having, you know, just that. And I think that the deed to Manhattan seems to, Want to tie in more of it being, ooh, that's like the local New York. It just didn't feel right. I, I said, is he going to go get a tailored suit now and walk around and start saying the rent's too damn high? I, I don't know what's going on here with this. I'd love to see him at council meetings. And then finally, what Black Fox is counting on, eh, this guy doesn't look like he like, wants to deal with paperwork and crap like that. He's probably like, ah, you can have it back. This is too much trouble. I just don't know. I just... Like you said, a grounded book that then becomes way too big in a supernatural way to then rip that back and say, hey, a god wants Manhattan. It just seems weird. Seems very odd uh, with that. But maybe we're going to figure out some more things. Maybe this is like one of those. Maybe the Gilded Saint wants to get out of its prison type deal. Maybe this is something that it would use as a bargaining chip to go back to it. I, I don't know. I do, but once you kind of take away their immortality, you kind of screw that side too. So with that, that's why I gave it a 7.5. I, I have really enjoyed this book. But yeah, that, that ending really threw me off a bit. And, and you got that buildup. I was a little upset that we kind of get to all that stuff in that first volume. 
uh, yeah, it's still what happened, but it was more for a dupe than what we knew. And, and Felicia being smart, maybe you're showing the blind side of it is that she does love Black Fox like a father and, and didn't think. But it was like out of nowhere. And I, I don't like to have the main character who is very smart, and very cunning, uh, pretty much being duped this whole time just to get to this. Seems interesting enough, but when the Manhattan did, and even how small it was in his hands. I'm sitting there too. It's like, look at those rings. Is it Ringo? You end up with those rings that are probably worth half of what Manhattan. I know Manhattan's worth a lot, but still. Again, though, me and you just walk in with the deed, and what, what do we get to do with that? I think they're like, nah, that doesn't mean you own everything. I don't know. But what would you give it? I am going to be a little bit more negative than you. Oh. I am going to put it at a seven. Okay. Just because, you know, I have been enjoying this this story. Um, I love the art in this book. Yeah. It is awesome. I like um, it. But you're right. This is not a black cat issue. This no. is a fox issue. And, you know, for a penultimate, I understand, like, the, the reveal of the Thieves Guild God and everything else yeah. is really cool. But... For it to go so far into the supernatural, it yeah. is kind of a turnoff for the series. Yeah, it was for me too, especially what they gathered to get there was kind of like a, you know, a comic science-y type thing. And also to have a god guarding the inner dimension, I think that that would get out. The word is already out about the gate and the vault. And, you know, so why wouldn't they have known, oh, and by the way, a god is guarding it uh, seemed a little odd, but. Yeah, I, my score went up actually for the Bruno and Corp stuff. That's just the silent stuff in the deal because it really, <laughs> like, a lot of times we'll get silent issues. And sometimes you're like, really? Like, I love the idea when, when these writers are like, hey, it's a mostly silent issue because they can't even get through the whole thing with it. But the comedy of those guys, even when they're just wait, they're up looking at their watch. Yeah, Bruno, he's like, when is this going to take so long? He's looking at his watch and all this goes down. I'm like, that's pretty good. That is pretty good throughout when they end up where you get that whole little narrative of finally like, screw this. I'm going to choke them out. It really made me laugh. So, yeah, I, I really like that. But, yeah, I, this is probably one of my because I've really enjoyed this book. Probably one of my lower scores that I have given since starting with that last volume because it just kind of kind of happened and, and got a little too supernatural, like we said. So, you know, I'm not going to go any more into that because we've said that. But. Because of that, we get to go to the next book, one a book that me and you have been talking about since it started. And I, I ended up at one point, somebody sent me a message on Twitter and said, like, why do you talk about that Power Pack book and not some of the other like huge books? Because the said, huge because books are fun. <laughs> I, said, I said, it's good. That's why. And I love it. And I think that anybody who hasn't read this and just wants a fun but just because it's got kids in it and it's got, you know, a cutesy style and it is an all ages deal. Anybody could read this. That doesn't mean that you should stay away from it uh, if you're an adult or you think that you're too cool for school or whatever, because it is really good. And I fell in love with the characters, especially Katie, but even the whole team. Uh, they're so good. And this issue is so much fun. And even though you could say, well, you kind of end up not even having much of the wizard, the main villain in it. To No, I don't care because it's so much fun. You have Wolverine in a very fun way. It's not just Wolverine just coming. And there are parts of this that I smiled so much. I thought my face was going to crack. I don't smile that much. 
it's not me. Uh, but yeah, oh, I love that. We're going to get into it right now as I get to the credits page because this is one of those where the credits are in the back and it drives me nuts. It is Power of Pack number five, written by Ryan North, art by Nico Leone, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. And it does even say at the end, this is it. This is, you know, the last issue of this mini series. Who knows? I, I don't think that this probably sold that well. I hope it did. I don't know the sales numbers anymore. They're hard to get, but it is so good. It starts off with the Katie Powers diary of the recap stuff instead. And it, it's so great. And you even said, like, is that Wolverine? <laughs> she draws Wolverine so <laughs> she, she draws Wolverine, like, super huge and super round. And I immediately sent you a screenshot, and I was like, why is Fat Gum in this comic? That's what it is. If anybody, so if anybody doesn't know who Fat Gum is, uh, of course, Jim is also the host of the um, Manga Mondays manga, and the yep. Manga Podcast. Um, Fat Gum is in both uh, My Hero Vigilantes and My Hero Academia. Um, it without it's basically Fat Gum without the hoodie, and it is hilarious. Yeah, it is, and it, it's just so funny because. In this, you always have these recaps, and it gives you enough of a recap, but it's through, you know, little Katie's eyes. Of course, every time it's that whoever is involved says that Katie rocks and rules, and it does again, where you have Wolverine, like, <laughs> he liked my thing, Katie rules, yeah, she's all excited. And then you just have stickers on it all over the place. Oh, yeah, no, like, even even the, uh, the recap of, like, oh, yeah, you know, some of the wizard's personality went into everybody, and everybody's like, you suck, no, you suck, and then she wrote a little, like, note on herself that says, I don't suck. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> she doesn't suck. I don't suck, though. And then, like, you have this where even there's, like, Wolverine, and he, she has, like, little stickers there. There's a fork because he's kind of got, like, the fork. That, like, everything's cool. And then, yeah, he came up and it says he came over and made a secret plan. But is it going to work? Oh, my gosh. Is it even going to work, though? That's what they're saying. And then Wolverine's just yelling, Katie rules. And then, wow. And everybody's going. And they do have a plan. And it comes into play. I wouldn't have guessed this was the plan. And what they end up doing is using their smarts that they remember hearing that the wizard came up with that plan that was good like even the idea where they did have that first with agent aether was going to be their outlawed mentor he wanted to harness their powers so that everybody can get electricity this was really pushed in the first couple issues where if everybody gets electricity that raises everybody's like that helps society more than anything is just electricity people can go to school later all that stuff and i like at the end that they realized you know what that was a good plan. The worst thing the wizard did was actually go back to being the wizard to be evil because he had good ideas. Uh, but they also heard him say at that one point, I saw it on television. So they know that he watches a lot of television. That That's how they're going to get this plan that they're going to dupe him by making it seem like they have their powers back, knowing then that the wizard would be pissed. I thought I got all their powers. They tricked me. Also, as they're being interviewed and yelling things, they're like, oh, my God, that last villain we thought fought the wizard, he really stunk just to get him upset. Now, to do that, you need to have a villain that you're going against. They're setting up a phony giant villain hero battle, and they need, and it's it's such a cool thing for such a wholesome 
just I'm saying a book that not a lot of people are going to give a chance. The idea that Wolverine comes up with a plan with them to be the villain, almost the bizarro Wolverine at points. Yes. Wolverine, where they even <laughs> say like, and I got to, I got to name him, and like they're all excited about this. But the best thing is that off panel, you find out that Wolverine loves making suits. And he made his own suit. He was stitching it up and actually even helped them with their suits again to get things going. And it's hilarious. Just the idea of setting this up to remember, like, this is Wolverine. And he's playing his evil brother, his secret evil brother, Wolverine. And then with the narration that goes through all the kids, you end up having them all kind of be at points being able to talk about things and whatnot. But they actually realize that Wolverine is loving this, that he is having a ball playing this other version of him. And he said, Wolverine's really selling it. I think he's actually enjoying this. And he he's, does, he's like throwing himself against oh the wall God. He's, and buildings. He's, he's yes. beating himself up, actually. He's Christian Bale like this. He <laughs> is going full out. I mean, he is playing this role. And in the meantime, they ended up where Jack, who's big on the social media, big on the he has called all the press and gotten them there so that it's on TV. It's all over the place, this idea. And so through this whole thing, they're play acting a battle where Wolverine is, he's got to react to what these powers are supposed to be. And it plays out so well as he is just flinging himself into buildings. He's, you know, hitting, then he's doing the fastball special to, to get Julie up in the air. Like she's flying, like everything is so well done in this you even have jack as mass master where they have to go and they have flour and what like they're they're doing dry ice so it looks like he's turned into a cloud as they're yelling from a trash can and said i loved it i i really did love this issue so much seeing them come together as a family and a team also at this point you have to kind of do have to remember that they do have like they said that bit of the wizard there in them to be mad at each other but they overcome that and i was really i I, the only thing that i thought because wolverine does throw julie up in the air she's supposed to be flying like she does i'm like i i hope that she doesn't land too hard because i think she might die as she comes down but they catch her it's so well done the whole thing with it as they're yelling things and wolverine's playing his act but I, i just because i love katie it's when they need to have her do the multi-power ball blast and you end up having them. You got this Katie bear and she has these flashlights. Heck yeah, I do. <laughs> and I'm like, I was so fired up. I'm like, I don't know why it's I'm so getting good. so fired up with her. And yeah, like, This isn't, this isn't like an, like a legitimate, like no holds bar, like fight that you would get excited about. This is a little kid's fight. And it's so it's exciting. So good. Yeah. Be like if you were play fighting. In the backyard, but they're doing that for real to have people look and to see if the wizard will go. And I'm just telling you, I, she says, heck yeah, I do. She has these lights because now it's all cloudy from the dry ice, the flower, all that that's supposed to be uh, Mass Master Jack. Also, Julie's falling down now. Wolverine catches her. You end up all this stuff going on. And then when you see her fighting, it's like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get Wolverine. And you have Wolverine yelling, no. And Katie can't stop laughing. She's having so much fun. She's there giggling to herself also. <laughs> as it's being as it's being put on TV, you end up having those classic scroll 
on the bottom. And even that is pretty funny. I'd be like children fight crime in the streets, violent video games pay off. And and they're they're just having such a good time. And then you end up seeing, yes, again, hey, we heard that the wizard talk when he was Agent Aether about finding out ideas, this idea for the electricity, that, all that. He's a smart guy, but he heard this on TV. This guy watches a lot of TV. And they even go with that idea of, yes, he was lying to us at that time about everything, but even a liar like that is going to end up adding some truth to it. You can't have too many lies and something as small as I saw it on TV. So they're really counting on this. And he's watching like a Mr. Wizard's World deal. Uh, and all of a sudden they break into it. We interrupt this broadcast. There is the power pack. They're fighting downtown against Wolverine. Wolverine's heretofore unknown evil twin. And he freaks out because that's, he thinks that they held out on him. Even at the point where, you know, you have Julie yell, oh, I'm going to go faster than light. And he's like, I can't do that. She kept the power. And he's so angry. And he goes and grabs him. That's part of the plan. That he grabs him and brings him back to his base to actually get more of the power. Now, you can say by the end, you're like, well, things are kind of easily put together here with the idea that they pretty much change the polarity of the machine. I didn't mind it, though, because it plays out well in this where it, it did. It did cause me to pause, but yeah. for a split second. Yeah, I mean, and it, it plays off like a Saturday morning cartoon, and this would be almost like, you know, I would have gotten away with this if it wasn't for your meddling kids type of deal, like a Scooby-Doo oh, yeah, sure. thing. And the best, though, is <laughs> I don't even necessarily know exactly what they are get because the only way to change this is to cut six wires at the same time. And that's where Katie, because what happens is he hits the button, all of a sudden he goes to do things, and he's giving them back their power. It, it, they reverse the deal, and when like that would take all six wires to be done at the same time, and that's where Katie's like schnicked, bub, and you know that Wolverine did where she has the three fingers up like their claws crossed. That he ended up using the claws all at once to do that. I don't know about that either. Like, are they all <laughs> together? Whatever. But I love that panel. I also love when she's like, "Yeah, he gave us our powers back," and her eyes start that glowing. One, it, that panel looks so good. Oh, it's so good. And I love this artist. I, I love do it. too. And it's so good, so colorful, especially you have characters here like a, a Julie. When she runs around, she makes a rainbow behind her. And they don't try to, like, make that d- not dumb down. They they go with it. Like, that's the spirit of this. I mean, for crying out loud, we, we talked about it when we first started. A, a space unicorn gave them their powers. I mean, you don't need to try to make this any bit miserable or even more adult-like. I'm sure that somebody... Maybe like a Tom King would come in here and want to like, oh, I'm going to make this. And, you know, no, I I like this. And by the time that you read these books and if you do go back, if you haven't read it and you start at the beginning, you may have a point at the beginning of like, I don't know about this. This is kind of good. You have to keep going because you have to get that family dynamic between the kids, even their parents. And really the ending where. Before last issue, when Wolverine showed up, the book elevated even more. In my mind, it became so because then you get Wolverine in this book that now he's the greatest. Like he's such a nice guy. This is something where if later on somebody's like, "Well, I remember when your your twin brother got beat by the power pack," it would be such a crazy callback that it would make <laughs> me laugh for weeks. Uh, but yeah, they have their powers back and they go to town. 
and they end up stopping the wizard and they end up you know going and putting him outside the police department he's going to go in jail um and they end up saying that even though he ended up having the wizard come up with you know bad stuff lied to him whatever that that plan that he had with the electricity that worked out they're still going to do that they're going to figure out a way plus they grabbed a bunch of the wizard stuff that also allowed them to have the dupe of a robot agent aether that's just going around he's and what i love about this to me this is like almost the ultimate shade if outlawed was still going on it's weird that you know they were still mentioning this when everybody's left it behind but just the idea that they set up like a dupe agent aether who will go and mentor or at least sign it down you even have squirrel girl yeah (laughs) i was gonna say they they even recruit other heroes yeah yeah and that's a cool thing because Ryan North wrote the Squirrel Lord deal. I love it. It's like, yeah, and if anybody has to deal with that outlaw nonsense, eh, we'll just get this dupe agent Aether to, to sign up as a mentor and that'll take care of that. I'm like, that's a great way to just get rid of that outlaw stuff in my mind. Uh, but yeah, they're going around saving the day, doing all these things. And again, having Agent Aether out there as a hero, like it's not just a whole event. This is a guy... He's out there as a hero now. He's actually stopping crime and stuff, which made me laugh, too. The big thing, though, is will the parents find out if, the, you know, they are heroes? What they're, And you don't get to that. I thought we were going to. You said to me as well. But you end up where they end up all of this book. This book actually has been a comic that they were writing to their parents. I mean, we ended up having the recap pages of mom and dad don't look. Stuff like that. But you see that they go back to tell the story so that they can give it. They don't decide if they're going to do it or not. Um, but you do end up having Jack and, you know, everybody's involved. But they do say, and I, I was mad because I'm like, I thought Katie did it all. But she's like, they even let me keep my recap pages. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Jack's also there with a giant, giant phone taking videos. And he's figured out no, how no, no, he can. No. Yeah, I so thought fun. it was a giant phone, too. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's on the desk. Oh yeah, that's it. He went small. Yeah, Yeah. he went small because I stared at that panel for like a good fifteen minutes, and I was like, "How is that even possible? What is going?" It's so funny because as as that's going on, he does end up where he has a video of Ant Man thinks he's small. (laughs) Look at me, and he's trying to get smaller than Ant Man, and I didn't still put that together. I should have. I'm a dummy. But yeah, that's what, and he figured it out. He has an emoji over his face. He has like a filter. And that was a big thing. You can't end up doing the online stuff. They kept yelling at him, uh, especially Alex, who was pissed at him the whole time. And, and Julie, you can't go on. We have secret identities. You have all that. So he ends up, got, everybody knows it's him, though, right? But uh, not that it's Jack, but that it's uh, Massmaster. And he goes back to that online stuff. And I do like where he's like, you know, we're taking selfies like they probably did in 1962, you know, when Marvel started and stuff. And like, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, the funniest thing, though, in the end is that you end up having the wizard. And as one last kind of big joke with him, he ended up where when they got their powers back, part of Jack's personality went into him. And he's obsessed with trying to get some sort of social media presence going on while he's in jail almost making it even more of a torture in jail because he's like i beg i i need to i need to start trending he's yelling out of the jail so pretty cool but yeah they don't give this comic as far as we know to their parents yet um but they say we we still might go and when you do get this 
you're going to find out that we love, you know, we're, we're kids. We have our family. We love you guys, but we also love each other. We always have each other's backs. And that's what it's been all about. It, it really is about the idea that these kids are really good kids end up trying to do the right thing. They got duped by somebody selling them, you know, some info about doing the right thing, but they never turn their backs on each other. And Katie is a gem. And and legitimately, this book has vaulted Katie into some of my, like, in my top 10 of characters at Marvel. And I know that sounds ridiculous to some people, but I love her. And I thought that it's great in this. And I, I want another miniseries, at least, uh, with them continuing. And I worry that we, we won't get it. But boy, this is really, really fun. Uh, anything you want to add? No, I mean, y- you said it all. You know, this book, through and through, has been... So fun. Uh, you know, even when our we reviewed the very first issue, you know, me complaining about the uh, the recap. And I was like, man, I hope this doesn't happen every single issue. And it ended up being it ended up being a legitimate reason as of why yeah. they were doing it. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah. yeah. Just knowing that there was a full on plan for issues one through five and legitimately knowing like, hey, North knows what he's doing with these characters. He he hits them right on the spot on on who they are as a family, who they are as a team. I've already gushed about the art. You know, I'm looking at this panel when they actually get their powers back. How colorful it is. The word power pack is behind them. I don't know why that looks so cool, but it just does. It's it's just nearly a perfect series. Yeah. And remember when we, when we started funny about the remember i said there's no recap page and you're like oh yeah there is and we're like oh yeah and we were going through oh that's cute enough it actually became something i look forward to like i want to see what and uh also what i like too is as we went through we said it like right at the beginning when you'd have a character show up a villain whatnot even the power pack like you said you'd have that like almost like video game anime-esque deal behind them in, in big blocks and stuff like that I love that when Wolverine shows up, it looks like they had drawn that themselves and like Katie was part of it. You have a little stick. Like, I thought that that was so cool because that was their big thing. And just to say, Wolverine is just Wolverine with like a a purple and black suit. And he looks awesome. Just that page even looks so good. And it's that cartoony anime style that it just looked at the emotions that you end up getting Nico Leone giving all of the characters as they go. All these things happening just ended up just playing out so well with the book. I mean, remember at that point when they were going to talk to Wolverine and it looked like they were in the subway or the train for like hours and everybody was getting bored and Katie still had her hands gripped <laughs> and in this crazy smile deal because she was so excited. Like that sort of thing. And even with that, like remember when they left that note for Wolverine at the embassy and Katie's young, she's smart. In fact, in the past deal at points, she's skipped grades, whatever. Doesn't mean she's great at the spelling. And I love that she's like, she's got the Wolverine deal in the recap. I'm Wolverine. And like, no, no, no. Cross that out. I'm Wolverine, but spells it W O L V E R I N E because she's just sounding it out. It, it's so well done. It's so good. And it's it's got it's got a lot of heart and, and it's just so wholesome. I, I could go on and on about how how, how much I love it. And it, it actually it shocked me to the point, but not really. I mean, if you go and listen to it again, you've mentioned the 
whole manga podcast. Anytime anything like this and, you know, young kids being heroes and trying to figure out what they're doing, all that. And then you add in, you know, one of the gruffest, you know, poster child or man for the, you know, over the top things in Wolverine. But even they end up making him a gem. It's so great. I love that Wolverine is enjoying all of this stuff. And again, we didn't even say when Ryan North has this fight going on, there's a point where like Wolverine gets thrown into a building and it ends up crushing. Like, yeah, yeah, we set that up before. Like a lot of the stuff they said was set up. Like, we know that it's kind of, you know, vandalism, but Mr. Wolverine said it was okay. So we did it. And so (laughs) you don't go full out with the, well, we're good kids. And we did like, they have fun wrecking stuff too in this. And they're just, Katie, it's when she's laughing while Wolverine's no, it's like this is her dream come true. This is the greatest thing. And I think when I think like Wolverine, this is such a like a breath of fresh air for him to do this. I'm sure he's like, this is so much better than fighting and decapitating vampires and jumping through Krakoan gates. Like this is such a, a cool time with him. What I do like, though, is one of the best things just to show you how they use the powers where you end up having he's about to slice Alex and Alex puts up his hand and then Wolverine stops like he's controlling him there. And he's like, no. And then Alex punches him and Wolverine like dives across the path. It's so good. It's good. Everybody should read it. They should, they should you know, put down all your you know, preconceived notions of what's cool or whatnot and, and just give this a chance because I think that you'll love it. Uh, with that, my score for this is a 9.5. Uh, some of the things at the end, like I said, they, they do get forced to kind of get you to the deal, but it makes sense within the story. But it still does kind of get a little forced there. But uh, what would you give it? I'm also going to give this a 9.5. Um, for the exact same reason, you know, the the whole thing about the switching the polarity or whatever, it seemed like a very convenient thing. They did go back and be like, oh, we went here too last night and we yeah, yeah, fixed yeah. it all. It is something that's like, eh, it's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. You know, we're still having fun. Let's move past it. And it does end on a really, really good note. Um, I will say... They probably could have kept this going really easily. I, yeah, like, I, I easily could have easily could have been like, oh well, we didn't. We're not all scientists, so we don't exactly know what we did. Their powers could have been switched up or something, you know, just something crazy like that to just to keep this going a little bit more. But I understand how things are with miniseries. Yeah, I just I really w- hope I, I get to see them uh, again. I wish that by the end here, it just said, hey, by the way, thanks everybody who read. And uh, we're going to continue from here, even with the way it went out, that they're just going to go to the next adventure and things like that. I, I would have been so excited. I know that that's crazy. And I know that a lot of people are probably shaking their head through this whole thing about how much we love this. But I, I would have been very happy if they said, OK, we're going to keep going with this. Ryan North, Nico Leon, we're going to go. Everybody's in. We're going to I'd be so happy with this. And it, it would have been, you know, already one of my favorite books with this many. But as a many. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's like Eric tells me all the time about the show Firefly. It ended up getting canceled before it got shitty. So, you know, sometimes you do get that stuff with that. Uh, Though, I I think that I could have went on with this for at least six more issues. You know, five issues have two trades. It's a shame. But maybe it'll sell. Maybe somehow we have the influence on the people's <laughs> I don't know hey, it's like yeah, 10 you know, million th- people reading this a, I don't there's know there's still a chance for the volume for the trade to yeah, still you know like get some issues it, out and, there and again when you see it hit 
the unlimited app if you have that then in a couple months and and you should already be able to get a couple of these uh just try it there and see what you think and i i think that you might you know not everybody's gonna like it but i I already had i i talked to some people who i thought definitely would be into this and like ah that doesn't mean anything so i'm not gonna read it i'm like hey you're missing out and then I yelled at them some more. But, yeah, overall, I, I loved it, as you can tell. So did you. And I'm glad that this was something that on a whim we just decided to do. We are just like, yeah, that's coming out. Let's do it. And I'm glad that we did. And, like you said, we didn't necessarily love everything about that first issue. But we came to love just about everything by the end. And it all tied in. So, with that, though, before we leave, tell everybody what you're all about, where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me, of course, uh, on Twitter, at FanboyClay. Uh, where you can go into the bio, you can see that link tree link. Uh, click there, you can find all of my shows, that being uh, Batman News Weekly Podcast, the Comic Book Legion Podcast, the uh, right here at the Weird Science Marvel Podcast, and also the Ranger Alliance Podcast over at the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. And that is a, a Power Rangers show, not the New York Rangers Hockey Podcast. I just wanted to let everybody know. They're like, oh, man, he does a New York Rangers Podcast? I'm in. Oh, but that is a Power Rangers Podcast. It's very good. Uh, all of them are good. So, yeah, check everything out. And the the uh, link tree link will be in the show notes as well to hit that and check everything that Clay is about. But thanks for joining me, Clay. We're going to go off now probably... With just me. I think that Brandon is on the Patreon. He's exclusive this week, the Brandon, because it looks like the bad asses ended up picking a bunch of Spider-Man books, and that's kind of his thing. So we'll be going off with me talking about some random books that I'm not sure which they are right now. So off we go. All right, and it is just me, and we're going to start with a book that I love. If you have been listening to the podcast, you'll know that Chip Starsky's Daredevil is one of my favorite comics out there right now. I'm not just saying Marvel. I mean of everything on the comic book shelf. This is Daredevil number 29. It's not going to change my opinion at all of how much I love it uh, because I think this is a really, really good issue that shows a little bit of why I do love Chip Starsky's run. You end up having a lot of storylines, but everything gets its time. Everything gets its chance, and when it does end up doing anything it it really pushes it forward and makes you want even more he has this really good knack of giving you little bits and pieces as you go but it just keeps building and building and building the tension building up this big overall story that does end up you know meeting in a giant explosion of things like when we had the big war in hell's kitchen Now, this is the story where you have Matt in jail. You end up having Elektra being Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen. Kingpin is doing his things. And then you even throw in things here with the stuff that we got in the annual with Mike Murdoch and Butch. All that comes into play here to just build that tension a little more, a little more, a little more until it just ends up exploding. Like I said, this is, again, it's Daredevil, number 29, written by Chip Sadarsky, art by Marco Cachetto, colors by Marceo Menez, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It is Doing Time, part one, and here it is. Daredevil has been poisoned. While Matt Murdock serves prison time in his mask as Daredevil, Elektra has taken up the mantle to protect the streets of Hell's Kitchen in his absence. 
while Electra tries to follow in Matt's heroic footsteps as Daredevil's twin brother Mike Murdock is posing as Matt in his absence. And that has been part of the deal so that people don't figure things out. Like, oh, my God, you know, it's weird that Matt ended up disappearing at the same. So he he's playing this role, but we're seeing that it's not actually on the up and up as much as we would think. But. We ended the last issue where Matt realized he had been poisoned. And you end up having him realize this as he's eating because of his expanded senses. He can actually, you know, separate the ingredients in a deal, which would be pretty cool if you're like eating a pot pie. You're like, oh, what do they do? They have the, uh, you know, the chicken. You, you got the, the carrots and the peas. I, I can kind of do that myself. This is a little more advanced, but you could still figure out recipes. Uh, but if he realizes this recipe has something way, way off, it's poison. He realizes he's got to get that poison out of his system, uh, but he doesn't want the person who poisoned him thinking this person has to be watching. They have to be seeing what's going on. I kind of got to get out of here. I got to get out of this cafeteria deal. He's sitting with Marcus, if you remember. He's like, you know, excuses himself politely. I got to get out. And he starts going, but he almost collapses. And a guard comes up. Now, he has great senses, but he can't see how pleased this guard looks in my mind. This guard is setting things up and you could tell right away where, oh, yeah, you got to get some air. Let me take you out to the yard. Yeah, it might be raining, but let's go out to the yard and there you can get some fresh air. Well, what Matt needs to do is purge his system. He tries to throw up at least to get the poison out of his stomach that hasn't been absorbed yet. Yes, he's already poisoned. He's in big trouble, but you got to, you know, get. At least some of that out. Whatever hasn't affected him yet, he gets out. He throws up, but then he realizes, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of prisoners coming my way. And he is going to get beat up at the least. Uh, they have moida on their minds. And you end up seeing by the end the cliffhanger that here's the deal. We, we have this in comics all the time. The cliffhanger that our hero is going to die. The cliffhanger that... that it's funny because it, you always smirk at that, you know, however well it's set up, things like that. If you see, say, Spider-Man, oh, my God, is he going to die? I, I really don't think so. The weird thing about this is, is Chip Zdarsky set up a book where I don't know. I, I don't know. You could have some crazy stuff going on here, uh, but we'll see. Now, while that's going on and is a big thing. I love seeing Electro trying to be the the good force in Hell's Kitchen, trying to be Daredevil, but also trying to make sure that that girl, Alice, whose mom was killed by Null in The King in Black, does not get taken advantage of. She ends up seeing herself in this girl. Oh, last issue said, if you want to, we'll train. And you see them training here. Now, with that, the girl suddenly... Seems to de-age about five years and loses about six inches. Uh, like she looks legitimately three foot eight here. Uh, and I think it's meant to be the idea. Oh, look at this little girl being trained, all that. Uh, but it's pretty cool because Electra, as a teacher, is not going to coddle anybody. He's not going to say, oh, you're doing great, sweetie. You know, it is lesson, lesson. You can't be weak. You can't like really stern lessons really doing this but she does mean well and that's what i love about it she is trying to do what matt does 
she just doesn't do it that way. She does it her own way. And what Chip Zdarsky does then is make it feel very, very real. It feels very much like this would be, you know, Electra's not just going to go and put on a daredevil costume and then all of a sudden not become not Electra. She's still Electra. And so she ends up going off into Kel's kitchen where you end up seeing a couple enforcers for the Libris gang for Izzy, who is now legitimately the kingpin. And they're, you know, they're collecting protection money. Hey, and and you end up having this girl, Alice, say to Electra, like, what is that? Oh, you know, protect. Oh, well, basically, they are protecting you from them doing bad things. You, You know that we all know what it is. But this little girl doesn't she's naive again electra's gonna give her the straight dope here as it end up saying well they're pieces of crap who end up coming and saying okay you pay us the protection money and if you don't you're gonna need protection from us and so electra goes down and basically says to these guys hey you're not welcome in hell's kitchen now i'm and flips the script on them you you think that you can collect and you end up seeing them grab a thousand dollars off this old guy you know a shop owner and Electra says, okay, well, from now on, you go tell your kingpin, you tell her that for you guys to still do anything in Hell's Kitchen, you're going to have to pay me 30000 a month. I mean, I'm going to make it real tough on you, and I'm going to let you go. $1,000 down payment takes the money that they had just taken and said, if I see you walking around, you best have 29000 extra dollars on you as walking around money. Now get out of here and go tell her. Uh, while that's all going on, Matt is going to have to fight these guys at, in the prison. And he does a thing, and we haven't had much of Foggy at all in a while. And what he does is a fun little story. I, I don't know if Chip Zdarsky's playing off the idea that Matt's thinking back at the good old days. Foggy always knows what to do because what he ends up doing, it doesn't really work that well. What he ends up, he's trying to purge the all of the poison out of his blood by meditation by using his idea where he'll slow down his heartbeat like stuff that he legitimately does but when he goes and sits down to meditate in the middle of the rainy yard in prison he thinks about the deal where him and foggy back in you know college days they they were going to get in a fight these guys were looking for a fight and they were bigger badder whatnot and foggy started dancing like a fool but saying to matt like they wouldn't expect this they they, these guys want to fight us they expect us to get ready to fight but i i I, he started dancing and he said you you can't hit a guy who's dancing right well he's meditating trying to purge this deal and trying to actually you know upset the whole idea of this fight these prisoners kind of what's he doing and just start beating them up And, and matt's fighting them off but he is poisoned and he is having some problems. He is taking a little more damage than he normally would. Uh, and all of this, again, does lead to, by the end, a guy, you know, pretty much one of the last guys standing and even lying down, ends up stabbing Matt. And you're left thinking, oh, my God, he's dead. As the warden comes out and like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. Daredevil's dead. So they even say it as the cliffhanger. Again, Matt is able to, you know, you, you have the setup. He's able to stop his heartbeat, and put, you know, slow things down. And it might all be that you wouldn't assume that he would be dead. But again, in this book, all bets are off at points. So we'll see. Uh, you do go then and see Izzy, who is dealing with 
Butch, and Butch ended up being in the annual. Butch is the son, quote unquote, son of Kingpin. He wants to be the next Kingpin. He wants what is his. He has worked his way into the Libra's crime family to the point where Izzy trusts him and says, in a weird way, like it's one of those where this is an upgrade, this is a compliment, but he is now in charge of Hell's Kitchen that pretty much Daredevil Electra has just said is my territory. So is it an upgrade? But she says, I want you to look after the kitchen. I have other things to do as the kingpin. I really have a lot on my plate and I need you to do that. I trust you. People end up looking up to you. You're a good leader. All these things going on, which seems to be the setup from Mike Murdoch, who's going around pretending to be Matt and and Butch, because we then see Mike, again, dressed up as Matt, going around pretending he's blind, all that stuff, to go into the gym to talk to Butch. And even Butch is like, hey there, Matthew. And they end up going into the back room where they're talking about stuff and talking about getting what is theirs. Like I said, Butch wants the kingpin stuff. Mike's there because, again, he's a piece of crap. And he's a swindler, a liar, all that stuff that, you know, in that cool deal of the annual, the twist ending up being that Mike was the made up persona back in the day to throw off the scent from Foggy and everybody thinking that, oh, my God, you know what's going on. And now he ends up coming into real life before. And then that annual ended up really bringing him into the fold here. But. You know, you you can't stop a piece of crap that much from being a piece of crap. He is what he is, and it looks like they're going to try to start trouble. Uh, Speaking of trouble, you also then have the kingpin, who is working a little, you know, technical stuff. He's doing a little science-tician things, where after that battle for Hell's Kitchen, they were able to grab Bullseye. And they have Bullseye, and they are making it so that he is going to be under their control. You know, you get comic book science stuff here where they are working on Bullseye to pretty much, you know, almost be the uh, a robot or an automaton that they can control. And that's where Kingpin says, I'll be able to control this deal. It's going to be awesome. But again, you end the issue, though, with Matt with a shiv in his stomach bleeding out. I mean, there's a lot of blood. The rain's coming down. All these other guys knocked out. Some of these guys, are, uh, seriously, are probably going to die if they aren't dead already, which I would assume they're not. But a lot of them are, are laying face down in water. Unless they can breathe underwater, there's going to be some trouble with these dudes. But, yeah, you end up with Matt laying there in almost like, I mean, uh, pretty much like a crucifixion type look there, too. Uh, and it's a great issue. The art's great. It ends up where I got done and I'm like, oh, man, it's like... There's a lot of times that there's a quick read or, or a read where you're like, oh, my God, that was cool. But there's few and far issues that you're reading and you legitimately, I mean, I'm talking for real, not just as a blurb on a review that you want to get on the back of a dust cover. But the idea of I didn't want it to end. I, I need to know what happens. And I was enjoying it. Not just the Matt stuff, though. I love seeing Electra trying to be Daredevil. And, and she is Daredevil, but trying to be a good Matt-like daredevil and the struggles that she seems to have at points of trying to figure out what Matt would do, why Matt would do it, but then also by the end realizing why and coming to this idea of being a hero and how 
fulfilling that is all on itself. Even the idea when she goes and says to the, you know, Izzy Libris's hitmen guys, the goon squad saying, you know, you're taking money off these people. Now you're going to get, and she kind of, she hands it back to the guy and it, it's like such a change from what we've seen, but the change was gradually happening before anyway. And before though, I thought she ends up, Getting the money that her and Matt stole from the Libras crime family, or actually the Stromwins is what it was. And the Stromwins were trying to buy up Hell's Kitchen. And you get that twist where Electra ends up using their own money to buy it herself, ends up saving Matt, allows Matt to go to jail. Now, with that, at that point, it seemed like a very selfish thing because she needs Matt eventually to go against the, the hand. All these things going on, it's less selfish now it seems it's like like at first i'm like oh she's going through the motions so that when mac does get out soon she'll be able to say oh look how good i was now you owe me it feels more than that especially with alice the girl that she's training and things like that which i i feel like she is something's gonna happen to her something needs to get electra so fired up again that she's slicing and dicing and it could even be finding out that matt is is dead uh, but I think that something's going to hit where her blood is going to boil. She is going to freak out. Uh, but while we're going, I, I, I love it. I really do. I'm giving this a 9.5. I, I could maybe even go higher. And that's a high compliment in an issue that legitimately, yeah, you have some big things. Matt at the end, he's bleeding out. He might be dead. But it is kind of setting up a bunch of things. But that's why I like Chip Starsky's run here is even the setup issues are great. I think this is great. Nine five. I, if you're not reading it, I stress. Just try it. Just even go to the Marvel Unlimited app, and if you don't have it, get get like a trial or something, so you can just check out a bunch of these things. But yeah, go and read. You know the first arc, and I think you'll be hooked once you get to the end. If you were listening to our podcast at the very very beginning, I didn't know what to make of the Daredevil book at first because I was never a Daredevil reader. So as I eased in, but by the end of that first arc, I, I was pretty much in and excited about it. But I'm going to go off to another book that I've been really digging lately, and it's the end of the Prey arc. Obviously, that means I am going to talk about Thor. And this is Thor number 14. Like I said, it's the finale to the Prey story written by Donnie Cates, art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson, letters and designed by VC's Joe Sabino. Searching for answers to recent troubles, Thor attempted to trade places with his old alter ego, Donald Blake. But Blake has gone insane and now seeks revenge on Odin and all those that touch by Odin's power. I have to remind everybody that he had people in the lawnmower. In the lawnmower. That's how insane. That's insane. Once the swap had occurred, Blake shattered his cane, trapping Thor in a hidden dimension beneath the roots of the world tree. Valkyrie retrieved the long-absent Odin. To help deal with the murderous Blake. And now the combined forces of Asgard have confronted Blake at the World Tree. But before the fight could begin, one last player entered the fray, Thor. Who has managed to send his soul into the Destroyer armor so that he can take down Blake himself. Now, he should be kind of familiar with that since at one point he had the Destroyer arm that kind of disappeared and things like that along with the eye that he was missing to be his sexy self. But he is in the Destroyer armor. And I've really enjoyed this Prey story. This is very reminiscent, in my mind, of what you had at the beginning of Donny Cates' run of Venom, where he goes into a book, he figures out things from the past, he gets up to speed with all the history, and then 
tries to find these little nuances, these little almost like cracks in the stories where he can go and fill that crack in with his own deal. And everybody likes to fill a crack in, right? And so he goes with that idea. Okay, yeah, back in the day, you had Donald Blake. You hit the, the cane. At Thor comes, you hit the hammer, then Donald Blake, you know, that whole deal going back and forth, which is part of the past history. It doesn't make much sense now the way things play out, but you end up having Donny Cates making sense of it, of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Thor just hasn't switched with him in a while. So what would happen in this other realm, this other dimensional realm where he was in that would only reset when he would go to Earth in place of Thor and then come back. Each time he'd come back, it would reset. If it doesn't reset, you almost get, you know, pretty much the Truman Show here where Donald Blake starts seeing odd things. Well, that guy always shows up at 3 o'clock with the mail, and it's always at 3, and he always says the same thing. Or when he ends up trying to, say, go to another city. Hey, I want to see what's down the road. He walks, 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 and and then ends up back at his like it never ends. It, it just keeps going in a way that it's there just to kind of fool him. But you can't fool somebody after all that time. Things started to be pointed out, so he started yelling. He thought he was forsaken. He thought that Thor and Odin and everybody had just forgotten about him, left him behind, and he had a breakdown, a huge breakdown. Ends up being able to break out of that trick Thor, all of that stuff, mainly because Thor did want to reset a little. He needed to get away. You know, all these things going on, the, the hammer was not, it was getting heavier. He thought he needed to figure this out. We kind of left that behind, but you go, and when he switched, but Don, Donald Blake just ended up breaking the cane. There's not going to be any switching. Now Thor's stuck, and, and screw you. Now you can feel how I feel. And so with that, he ended up pretty much just going and ripping through all of Anybody who ever held the hammer, all the stuff, the Asgardians sending them down to the hell dimension, all this. But in this issue, pretty much everybody now has gathered uh, for one last battle. And I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this story, this prey deal, way more than the King and Black stuff. You know, it's weird to say because that's the huge thing. But I've actually really enjoyed this story. But Donny Cates seems to really like to set up stuff. He really can get things going. The endings always end up, at least the endings that I've been dealing with, especially with the King and Black just ending, uh, they feel a little forced. They feel a little rushed. Not rushed, but forced in the way that things happen to happen, and then you wonder, why didn't this happen earlier? What's going on here? But it still was a satisfying ending, and not an ending like, you know, you expect everybody, hey, Donald, come and give me a hug. We're sorry. We still love you. We won't do this again. It's not going to be that easy. Now, one of the things that I don't like in this finale is the idea where they kind of go with this, hey, Donald Blake, you've been crazy, whatnot. Yeah, it might be our fault. I wanted to go down the roll call of everybody he slaughtered because it's beyond the point of who said, you know, he said, she said, you're wrong, you're right. No, he has also murdered a lot of people and he ends up there and you get some wow moments you end up having odin who's going to end up fighting donald blake at one point calls for the hammer but then you end up having beta ray bill grab the hammer and that's a pretty cool thing saying i'm gonna take care of him then you also then have thor obviously there 
in the destroyer armor he goes square up with donald blake and just starts beating the crap out of him i mean he is stomping and punching and just going through that but you end up having i said odin thinks that he has to end this he's the one who's to blame whatnot he calls for molnir he says molnir to me and it ends up then going to beta ray bill and he has had that you know the essence ripped out of him this was dealt with in the daniel warren johnson book especially and that even had the side note and had to explain this because when you end up getting beta ray bill catch molnir he actually goes back to being the beta ray bill we know and love with that horse face grin of his and he ends up throwing the hammer it bashes against uh donald blake in the back then you get dr strange and it's like a setup of things going down here where then the bands of sidorak go and envelope donald and he ends up falling down and it's one of those things that it looks like they could pretty much take care of him at this point but you end up having Odin and Thor, like they, they want to really just end him. They don't want it to be, okay, capture whatever, especially Odin. Odin's just like, I'm going to make this right. And he means he's going to kill Donald Blake. He's going to make him into nothingness. Donald Blake realizes this. And in a, in a moment where at points you do feel bad for Donald Blake, at least you can sit there and say, listen, he's horrible. He's broken, but it's not really his fault. And when you see him here, where you do have Odin about to kill him, he wants it. He says, please end this. This is what I want. Please make me nothing. I don't want to be in this existence anymore. This is where you you get a quick deal because, yeah, you want to have Thor confronting Donald Blake, but you want to have Thor do it, not to destroy your armor that you know Thor's spirit is inside. So just off to the side, there's Loki as the broken cane. He just goes, would you, would you, swish, and ends up making the cane one, throws it to Thor, who grabs it and hits, and now he's Thor. It actually opens up the Destroyer armor. Thor gets out. He has Mjolnir, and he's like, I'm here to to do this. And I'm like, well, you know, Loki, I know that Loki has his own little agendas and things like that, but just ended up like, okay, well, that was really convenient to just do that uh well odin's still there odin had his spear that he was going to run donald blake through it got knocked away because of all the stuff and the big explosion stuff and he wants to help he's like okay my son and he's like no no get out of here thor says you're not welcome here go uh, you know you have my word father you know there'll be a reckoning not today and you end up having Odin like son he's like no 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 you, you know your way out i don't have to point to the door right don't let it hit me in the ass because get out of here and you even have like this and, and the way that Nick Klein draws this, I think, is very good because when you do have Odin going full out, going to pretty much destroy Donald Blake, he's going to kill him. He's going to make him into nothing. He looks menacing. He's he, yeah, he's old Odin, but he looks men- the, the minute that Thor starts to pretty much say, I, I don't want you here. You're not welcome. Just get out of here. You know, you did your deal. Now just go. He starts to really look old again. He, he looks very tired, old, and he just wants his son to accept him, maybe even let him stay. And he's like, oh, well, and he's, he's got to go away. Um, but yeah, and he even says, give mother my love. And then you have just a, a very upset father there with probably cats in the cradle playing somewhere, maybe on a loot since the Asgard stuff. Uh, but he's like, oh, of course. 
And he goes off and Thor says, release the bonds. He tells that to uh, Dr. Strange, release the bands. And he does. And even then, I don't think we should. I won't ask twice. Like he is very determined of whatever he's going to do here with Donald Blake. He's going to do it. He's going to do it now. Nobody's going to stop him. At first, you end up where Donald Blake says, why are you sparing me? Why would you do this? And Thor's like, because you're my brother. And he has like a smile on his face. I'm like, really? Like, we're going to end with him just like, high five, buddy. Like, no fuss, no muss, no foul. No, he pretty much destroyed a lot of people. Um, But he ends up saying, I'm going to treat you like a brother. You were made from my father's blood. So you are a brother. And yeah, you're a brother to me. And unfortunately, though, me and my brothers don't always get along. And I kind of like beating the crap at him. I asked Loki over there. I mean, Loki's probably over there. It's like shaking his head like, yeah, yeah. He he really likes to beat us up. Uh, and you end up having Thor grab Donald Blake by the neck, picking him up, and then brings down the lightning, which does end up frying Donald Blake. He's not dead, but he he's very hurt. And that's where Loki steps up and says, let me take care of this. And And in my mind, I'm thinking, why? Like, why would you ever let Loki take Donald Blake off like that? I would never trust Loki for this, but Loki actually has a plan with this that is more of, you know, kind of a cruel thing for Donald Blake, but ends up making Loki be able to pass the torch because he says, hey, Donald, you want to be a god? Well, you can. I give you my title. You can be it. I renounce my title. It's now yours. Where he's strapped up on a slab you end up having the snake that i mean just awful things going on and he says you are now he says congratulations donald you now sit on the throne of the god of lies ever shall you reign and ends up where there's just freaking venom acid going into donald blake's eyes he's he's being tortured now i mean he thought that it was bad before well he's just getting it back again so I, I just wonder, it's like one of those things where, okay, he got he's getting what he deserves. He really should suffer for all the people that he ended up slicing around. Uh, but I'm like, are, are you just setting up for him later on, somebody to come back in like 40 years later? And like, remember that Donald Blake, you know, the, the king of lies there? Because you just expect him to get out eventually and just be pissed. But that is the end. You end up having him suffering. On the slab where Loki's just like You can be the king of lies, I'm out of here And leaves uh, I love Nick Klein's art, I love the colors In this, I think they are great I really enjoy a lot of it Especially in this one, when you go from Say Thor, with a lot You know, there's the colors, but it's a lot of The lightning stuff, it's a little bleached out It's points, but then you go off Into this cavern deal with Loki Where there's a lot of green hues And things, and it really plays off well As you go through the whole issue, I think Nick Klein's really, really good. And I, I think that Donny Cates is pretty good himself when he is inspired with the story. And that's the thing. I sit there and think about this whole King in Black and then think about the beginning of his Venom run. And I think that a lot of people should agree with me because I say they should. Uh, but when he first got on Venom and you started Clintar. No, all this stuff and things being tied in that, that you didn't know were tied in before. And it was real exciting and it was real cool. And it was really like, oh, my God, we're at a point where the mythos is changing and it's cool. And it, it's such a, a neat little deal to be involved at the moment. It felt like in my mind, because I just jumped on with Fresh Start, like the idea of how lucky I am to be reading a story 
that I think that people will be talking about years later saying, oh, my God, remember when that Venom book came out? And and he seemed real inspired by this. We end up getting Dylan, all that stuff, really cool stuff. And then it started to not not get bad, but it seemed like like the spark kind of left it a bit. Like the idea that maybe Donny Cates at one point was like, well, I, I've done it this far. Let's get to the conclusion. You know, I've been saying Null's been coming all this time. We'll let him get here. We'll have this King and Black deal. And then I can get off the Venom book and go to something else. And you see the store book at this point where you even had the Herald of Galactus. Now this time, like, this is like the early Venom days, like the the exciting part, the the part where it it really seems like Donny Cates is, is really excited about this and really trying to impress us with figuring out this lore and a way to make it make sense or kind of different. Uh, it just, you know, the King of Black ends up feeling just like, you know, going through the motions at points. And I, I hate to say that, but it did feel like that, like things weren't as clever. Things weren't as well thought out, or at least it didn't seem that. But going into this, it does have that that early Venom spark. And I think that it's really cool. I think that he is inspired here. I hope that it lasts you know, longer. It's already lasts longer than his Guardians of the Galaxy deal. But again, when he got on that Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, that seemed like the ending of the Thanos stuff. So it, it didn't feel like that spark was there as well. This was a let's tie this all up and get out of here deal. Uh, but this is really good. I really enjoy I'm trying to get to the point. I'm not trying to throw shade at the other books. What I'm trying to do is say how cool this Thor run is at this moment i'm really really enjoying it it's something that if you had again been listening to this podcast for long enough you know that when we first jumped in thor was a book that i was really struggling to get involved with i even struggled a bit in the herald of galactus stuff because i i wanted more of a kind of a let's ease into the thor thing let's ease in and it went so big with the galactus deal but this story especially is the one that I'm like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. And again, thinking, boy, this might be something that I could talk about. You know, do you ever read that Donald Blake story that Donny Cates did back in the day? Uh, and that's a cool thing. It's a cool thing to be involved with all that stuff. So with that, I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. I think it's really good. Yeah, some of the things were forced. I think that, you know, you, you kind of got like, and, and also even with that, like you end up having Throg and Bats and that, like they had nothing to do in this last issue. I was really hoping that everybody would at least get, you know, a shot in on Donald Blake, uh, but they were more to get here. So I'm not going to say that much, you know, craziness about that, but that's that. And I think that that's the end of the podcast. There's a couple other books that came out this week that I'll, I'll just mention. Darkhawk, Heart of the Hawk, the anniversary issue of Darkhawk, where you ended up having three separate stories. You ended up having a Danny Figueroff and Mike Manley back in the day, 90s, you know, classic story that kind of from the pages of Darkhawk, an untold tale, whatever. It was okay, that one. I kind of liked it, and I ended up doing a podcast on our Patreon, just to give a shout out there. That we ended up, me and my man Matt went through the first issue, the first appearance of Darkhawk, and I really enjoyed it. It's a character that I don't know much about. I've been told that he was pretty popular in the 90s. He's a very 90s character, and I, I actually enjoyed it. And if you do have the Unlimited app and you're planning on getting the Darkhawk Heart of the Hawk and never really go back and read that first issue first, because then it really eases you in 
to the story and makes the you know the finger off story even better in this and of course that's Danny Fingeroff and Mike Manley did the original deal. So that's cool. It also had a Dan Abnett deal that kind of comes off of the time when Darkhawk was in the Guardians of the Galaxy. But one of the most intriguing things about this, very quickly at the end, you have a Kyle Higgins story that seemingly you end up seeing uh, a torch being passed. And it seems like we'll get a Darkhawk book coming up with maybe Kyle Higgins writing. Kyle Higgins has a thing now where he is the guy who does the books about the people in the suits and the stuff. I mean, he ends up having his radiant black. He has the Ultraman book here at Marvel, all those things going on and does that points to Power Rangers, which is a little different, but kind of the same concept. So I don't know if he, he has typecast himself, but he really seems to get a kick out of that. But it's a cool issue. I, I say I, I'd suggest getting it. If you are interested in just, you know, some 90s stuff that maybe you, you want to see continue and whatnot. But on the site, I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. I liked it enough. We also end up having Maestro War and Pax number 4, which normally I have been talking about Maestro. It has even been picked for the Patreon Spotlight at points. I didn't talk about this issue this week. Because it, it just kind of ended up being a thing. We're heading to Future Imperfect with this Maestro book. We're getting very close. We have the issue four of five. A lot of things are coming into place. And this issue felt like spring cleaning. Like, okay, we got to get rid of a bunch of characters and put things in position because of how they will end up in future and perfect. We can't have things just laying around where people can say, well, why are they still alive when they weren't here? Or why was that there? This issue fully felt like, okay, let's get rid of this, 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 and this really quickly. Boom, boom, boom. Get going. I mean, you end up having the AIM headquarters being bombed and destroyed while also the Pantheon that had captured Maestro Hulk, uh, they get taken out. And you ended up also having Hulk being captured by them and they're going to they're going to encase him in this man. And he just breaks out. I mean, it really felt like we got to get things in position for issue five. Let's get rid of all these people in one fell swoop and go. Uh, So overall, I didn't review it on the site yet. I'm planning on doing that. And I think that I'm going to give it probably a seven. I still really like the art. I like the idea because you end up seeing Doom get fully involved and seemingly trying to take the place of Maestro. All these things going on, which we know will come to a head next issue. But still, it felt like a lot of spring cleaning going on. So, yeah, seven out of ten. And maybe if I reviewed it even then, I might go down to a six five. I'll have to see what I think when I end up putting paper to pencil is that what you do you get the paper and you write on the pencil i don't think that's how it does plus i don't use a paper and pencil when i do my reviews what what is this you know 1982 seriously Uh, but also a couple of issues and things came out that i haven't been necessarily reading or catching up to it but i've been told that the fantastic four issue that still is tying into the king of black was garbage and I tried to read the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, issue. I'm just not, I'm not into it. Even when they say, well, this is a great way to jump in and this is the best spot. Well, you know, when I go and read, I'm like, you know what? This, this kind of bugs me like the other time to jump in back at number one. Like, I'm not digging this. And I really am not. If you are liking it, that is all the power to you. And that's cool because everybody needs books to enjoy. And I hope that you can tell I enjoyed a bunch of these tonight. I mean, really, uh, Power Pack, that's a gem. 
I, I'm, it's such a surprise of how much I enjoyed it. And I, I did that recording with Clay back, way back in the past of this morning. And I'm still kind of excited about that book. But I also love Daredevil. Obviously, that should be my book of the week because the score kind of tied with Power Pack. But you also end up having a good conclusion in Donald Blake deal with Thor. And even Black Cat, well, I thought that it was a little bit rushed, a little quick to the draw there with that gate and having that nonsense with the god, the gilded saint or saint, whatever. And I don't know, saint, saint. Uh, I still liked it enough. It, it didn't upset me. Now, if you want to hear me get upset, and possibly Brandon, because me and Brandon ended up doing our Patreon uh, spotlight, picked by the badass of the Get Fresh Group, beep, boop, and we ended up doing the chip sadarsky what if issue that ended up being pretty good spider-man the spider shadow number one i really did dig that uh but that non-stop spider-man and it was non-stop spider-man number two by joe kelly uh i do not like i i think that it is i i understand the concept everybody has to be moving all the time and it's quick pace well Get a story that can be followed first, then then get your gimmicks, because I did not like it. But if you want to hear us yell and scream about that, you can go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, and you know, support the podcast for everything that we do here on the regular feed and get a ton of extra things, including I already mentioned that we ended up doing a dark uh what, what is it? I was gonna say dark horse, dark hawk number one from ninety one to get a little bit more of a grip of what Dark Hawk was all about so that when you read the 30th anniversary issue that you could get a little more out of that. But we also ended up this week talking a bunch of other things. We end up had a pop culture podcast tonight. We also are doing our Book of the Month Club where the Patreon uh, patrons get to vote on what it would be. It ended up being Robert Kirkman's Invincible, and it pretty much was a landslide, especially with the cartoon. But we're going through that and an episode each and every week with that going through the first trade. And eventually I will get to my Scarlet Spider Ben Riley Character of the Month podcast, where I'll be talking, obviously, about Ben Riley and Scarlet Spider. That's how that works, amongst other crazy podcast we do a lot of things but the best way to tell uh what we do is to go over there and try it out you won't get charged when you join up and you won't be charged until the may 1st uh, if you decide to quit before then you'll never be charged so you can just check it out for free if you want so hey check it out uh that'd be great thanks a lot also go over to our twitter at ws marvel comics you follow us we'll follow you back a hundred percent and then go to our website where I mentioned I did a bunch of the reviews this week. You go to weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Thanks, everybody. And I'll see you in a couple of days. The next podcast up on the regular feed will be a Bounty Hunters uh, episode of Star Wars. Uh, that'll come out on Saturday. So thanks a lot. And I'll talk to you then.